All right, good morning, VCF. Good to be together again this Sunday. And today, I'm going to be preaching from the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. And there's a particular verse that um, struck me, verse 23. And we're going to be talking about the faith of Jochebed and Amran. And you might be wondering, who are you talking about? Are we even reading the same Bible? And actually, Jochebed and Amran are the names of Moses' parents. And I have to confess, I did not know the names of Moses' parents till yesterday. Um, but we're going to look at them because um, they are commended for their faith. Okay, And it says that in Hebrews 11, verse 23, it says, By faith, Moses when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. Okay, Because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. All right, so we're going to focus on that verse today. Okay, And I believe that the Lord has something for all of us through their faith. All right, and so let's turn real quickly to Exodus 1. All right. And we're going to start with verse 22. I'm going to read about three or four verses just to give you a little context. And because Hebrews 11.23 talks about the king's edict, okay? And this is what was happening in Egypt, all right? What happened is that, if you remember, Joseph settled in Egypt first, right? And his whole family came. And in Exodus 1 verse 7, it says, The people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and they grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them. And what was happening was God's promise, God's covenant to Abraham was being fulfilled. The people of Israel were multiplying like the grains of the sand. Okay? And what happened is that, you know, kings die, pharaohs die, and new kings come up. And the new kings, they, they didn't remember Joseph, right? And so the Israelites lost all favor. And so this is how the, the, the kings of Israel started thinking. They said, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies, fight against us, and escape from the land. Okay? And so what they did was they, they, begun, they began to treat them harshly, okay? And they made them slaves. Okay, so the Israelites became slaves to the Egyptians. And not only that, because it says this, the, the people of Israel, they, they were fruitful and they multiplied. They had just lots of children. They were just growing like crazy. Okay? And so the kings of Egypt, they said, we got to stop this. And they told the midwives, the Hebrew midwives, if you... At the time of birth, if you see a boy, kill the boy right away. If it's a girl, let her live. Okay? So it's a sort of a genocide in a way. But it says that the, Egypt, the, the Hebrew midwives, they feared God, and they did not do what the king of Egypt told them to do. And so, and because of that, we get to verse 22, Exodus 1, verse 22. It says, Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, 
Every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. So that's the king's edict. Okay? And so this is the context in which Moses was born. Okay? I would say that they were probably 320 years into the 400 years prophesied that they would be in bondage. Okay? And so let's read Exodus chapter 2, verse 1. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. And when she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the river bank. And I think most of us are familiar with this story, right? And what happens is that Pharaoh's daughter happens to be bathing. She looks upon the child and adopts the child. And um, Moses grows up kind of as a son of the Pharaoh's daughter. Okay? But we're going to be looking at the faith of Moses' parents. Okay? And so before we dive in, let's, let's just pray together. All right? And invite the Lord's blessing on the word. And so, Lord, we are thankful again to gather together. We are thankful for your word. And, Lord, we ask humbly that you would open up your word and speak to us. God, I pray that even though we are scattered, God, I pray that you would divinely connect us as a body through your Holy Spirit. Right now, come and fill each room, fill each home, And God, we do confess, God, that we are coming before you and we may be coming in from different places. Some of us might be fired up. Some of us might be cold. Some of us might be struggling. So we just come before you. um, And we ask by your grace, you would allow us to open our hearts and our minds to your presence right now, to your word. We pray you would keep us Focused as much as possible. Let us not be distracted. But come and fill this time. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So I'm going to just turn real quick to Hebrews. So I have that right in front of me. So Hebrews verse Chapter 11, verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Okay? And the first thing that I want to point out is that it talks about Moses' parents, the faith of Moses' parents. Okay? And it was the faith of Moses' mom and dad. And it's interesting to me, what struck me was that If you read Hebrews 11, most of it, the faith belongs to an individual. So it may talk about the faith of Noah or the faith of Abraham, the faith of Sarah, right? The later on, the faith of Moses, the faith of Gideon. Okay. But here, the faith belongs to two people. All right. And I want to stress this at the onset, because I think we often think of faith 
belonging to an individual, okay? But it's here, it's the faith of two people, right? And I think in our society, we can even think of Christianity as kind of an individual thing versus a communal thing, okay? And so it's interesting, there's three accounts of this in the scripture, okay? And so the first account in Exodus 2, if you guys remember, it, it, talk, it, it does not mention Moses' dad at all. It only mentions her, his mom, okay? I don't know if you guys noticed that. And it says in Exodus 2, verse 2, when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. And when she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes. So it was all about the mom in Exodus 2, all right? And maybe it's because Moses, you know, loved his mom. So he mentioned her in the book of Exodus. The second account, and this one we haven't read yet, is from Acts 7, verse 20. And this is Stephen's sermon before he gets stoned to death, all right? And he mentions, for whatever reason, he mentions this. I don't know why, okay, but it's in the Bible, all right? And it says, In Acts 7, verse 20, at this time Moses was born, and he was beautiful in God's sight. Okay, so notice that all the accounts talk about Moses being a fine child, a beautiful child, okay? But in here it says, and he was brought up for three months in his father's house. Okay? I don't know why, but in this account, it only talks about the father, okay? And then finally, in Hebrews 11.23, it says it's the faith of his parents, okay? And what I get from this, okay, is that, or what I'm inclined to believe is that the faith started with Moses' mom, okay? So they were in this predicament, right? They were living under the king's edict to give up this child to the Egyptians so that he could be thrown into the, the river Nile. And I'm inclined to believe that Moses' mom had faith first, okay? And then somehow, maybe through conversations in the home, through prayer, through some process, Moses' dad began to share in this faith, and eventually they were united in their faith, okay? And so Moses' mom, Jochebed is her name, she had the faith first, then the father, Amran, and in the end, they were united, okay? And I'm bringing this up because I believe there's a tremendous blessing and a power for all of us, okay? When this dynamic happens, when two or more people become united in faith, like Moses' parents. There's a tremendous blessing. And I want to just share that, say to, to all of us at VCF, there's a tremendous blessing and power that God has for us when we become united in our faith. Okay? And this is encouraging to me because what it tells me is that as a believer, as a Christian, the, the faith doesn't have to originate with me. Because often I find that when I look, I... I don't have a lot of faith, right? But if someone else has faith, I can somehow possess that faith too, okay? Not automatically, not just by being in the same room, 
or being in the same prayer call, but through a process that I can be united in their faith. Have you found that sometimes, right? Like you might be down or you might just be a blah day or you might just be, but your, your faith might not be fired up and you get a call from a friend and he starts telling you about what's going on and all these tremendous things God's doing and that faith rubs off on you and you feel your heart warmed, right? You feel your, your faith being ignited, being stirred up, okay? And this is a blessing and a power that God has for us as believers. Let me just read you a couple of scriptures. You don't have to turn to it, okay? Because I know it, it can be hard to, to, to keep up with me. Psalm 133. Um, actually, there is one scripture that I'm going to ask to put up, okay? But Psalm 133, I'll just read it real quick, okay? Um, so feel free to put it up if you can. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing life forevermore. Okay? And what I take from this scripture is that it says how pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell in unity. Okay? And it says there the Lord has commanded the blessing. There's a tremendous blessing in the context of unity. Okay? When when parents are united, like the Moses' parents, imagine they could have never done this if they were not united in their faith. There's no way you can hide a child, right, um, for three months not being united. When believers are united in their faith, there's a tremendous blessing there. Now, there is another, there's another verse that I want to look at, and if we could pull that up, because I think it's particularly powerful. It's in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 through 28. And here what Paul says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm. Okay, this is, I want us to pay attention from this part. That I may hear of you that you're standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Verse 28, Not being frightened in anything by your opponents, this is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. Okay? And as I read this, I, I've, I've been meditating on this Philippians verse for a bit. But when I read it in the, with the context of what Moses' parents did, I, I thought to myself, oh my gosh, this Philippians 1, 27, 28 describes perfectly what Moses' parents did, okay? They were standing, okay, in the midst of the king's edict. They stood, they stood firm in one spirit, with one mind, okay, right? For their faith, okay? That they believed that Moses should not die. That was their faith. And it says, and they were not frightened by their opponents. They were not afraid of the king's edict, okay? And they didn't know this, but Paul says this in Philippians. He says, when this happens, it's a clear sign 
to them of their destruction. Right? And, you, and we know what happens in the story. Pharaoh's army was destroyed at the Red Sea. It was a clear sign. It took 80 years. 80 years later, it happened. But Moses' parents' faith and being united was a clear sign that this was going to happen. And it was a sign of your salvation and that from God. They didn't know when they did this that it would lead to the literal salvation of Moses. Okay? But it happened. Okay? And so Philippians 127-28, it talks about the great power, right? And the great blessing that God has on when believers are united in their faith and they're in one spirit and one mind. And I'm just going to share a little personally about what I've been learning on this front recently, okay? And through these daily noon prayer meetings that we talk about every Sunday, ad nauseum, right? We invite people to join ad nauseum, okay? But um, I want to share this because I want to share how two or more people can become united in faith, okay? And how faith can grow in a group of believers because I that's what I feel like I've been experiencing these past three months. And so these past three months or so, I've committed myself to noon prayer on Wednesdays and Fridays, okay? Two days a week. Um, it's something that works for me schedule-wise. And what's different these past three months than before where I used to come to noon prayer is that I've made a different kind of commitment and where I, I, number one, I've blocked it out on my work calendar so that no one can schedule a work meeting at that time. And then number two, I've made an internal commitment to show up whether I feel like it or not, okay? Before, I was, because I was not committed, when things got busy or I didn't feel like it, I didn't show up, okay? But now I'm, I'm showing up, okay? And partly because, to be honest, Michael and Cindy asked me to be there. I said, okay, I'm going to be there, okay, for, for during this time. And so at noon prayer, we, we often start with, you know, praises and testimonies, and then we allow people to share prayer requests, okay? And people share all kinds of prayer requests. And there are, some are small, some are medium, some are large, and some require a miracle of God, okay? They're that desperate. And... Coming into these prayer meetings before these, the past three months, th- there were certain prayer requests that, I don't know how to say it, but it's, it caught my heart, meaning that I felt led to pray for certain prayer requests. I didn't feel led to pray for every prayer request, okay? But I felt led to pray for certain ones, and these are the ones that I prayed over and over, week to week, right? And... The interesting thing is the, the two people that I really felt led to pray for, they both ended up passing away, okay? And I'm sure God had his purpose in that, and he did a great work, but all that to say, I wasn't coming into these prayer meetings all fired up. I wasn't discouraged because I know how prayer works, how God works, 
but I wasn't necessarily all fired up with faith. Like, man, God can heal, all right? But anyways, as I came to these new prayer meetings, there were this one, I think it happened almost the same week, a couple of prayer requests came up, okay? And I don't want to go into too many details or share names, but I just want to share enough so that we get a feel for it. So the first, there were two prayer requests that came up. And the first one was from a VCFer. And he shared about his relative and how one of his relatives had gone missing. Okay? And not only missing, but he had been missing for seven days. And he asked us to pray for him. And the second prayer request that came up was that, of, again, an, another VCFer. And it's great because VCFers are connected to other people in their land, right? And we're praying for all these needs in the land. And the second prayer request was that the, a young child of a friend had drowned, okay? And by the time they found this child, there was lots of damage. And he had to be hospitalized, right? I don't, I, I don't know all the details, but probably intensive care, okay? And honestly, as these prayer requests were being shared, I'm thinking, the dude that is missing is probably dead. Or he ran away, you know? I'm thinking this is a long shot. So I, as I'm listening, I'm not, like, there's no, I'm not hearing it with faith, right? And I'm thinking with this child, you know, there's all kinds of internal organ failures. You know, he had to be on a breathing machine. He's in a coma, non-responsive, brain damage, right? Not looking good, okay? And so, but at noon prayer, we share these requests, and then we pray, okay? And there's, you know, anywhere between 12 to 20 people, okay? And we're praying, and... As we're praying, we begin with worship, just setting our eyes on the Lord. One person, all it takes is one person would pray out whatever particle of faith they had for the situation. Okay? And they they prayed into these impossible situations. All right? And again, I am here. I, I don't have the faith yet. Right? But as I'm there praying with them, and as I hear these, What I found is that my heart began to resonate with the prayer, right? Sometimes you don't, we don't have to bear witness with everything, but there was a way that, ooh, I, I, there's a way that my heart became united in faith with that prayer, okay? And so I began, in a way, I describe it like this. If one person has faith, then we can catch that and ride its coattails. Okay, we might not, it doesn't have to originate with us, but if we bear witness with that faith, we catch it and we ride it, right? And so we began to do that, right? And as we did that, I began to feel faith arising, okay? Again, it's, it might be small, but it was arising. And the second week came, we prayed. And by this time, the relative that was missing had been missing for 14 days, right? And again, I'm thinking, oh man, this is not looking good, okay? And, um, but we prayed. 
And again, people prayed whatever particle of faith that they had, right? And we're beginning to, and for me, I'm beginning to, to have faith that, you know, God is going to do something in, this, in these situations, right? I'm not praying necessarily for a return, but I'm believing God to do something. And I'm believing God to do something in this young child who had drowned and suffered all kinds of damage, okay? And what I'm trying to emphasize here is that even though I started out, I started without any faith, right? I was able to catch something from other people, okay? And it's almost as if the Holy Spirit was causing the faith to be transmitted among each other, okay? So we kept praying. The third week, something amazing happened. And that is that after 18 days, this person, this relative had been missing, was found and had returned home, right? And so when we heard that, when I heard that, I was... It, I was shocked. It, it's a mix of like, I knew that could happen. I knew that was going to happen, but also a shock, right? And so you could tell the whole group was so excited to see God answer prayer in such a miraculous way, okay? And then with the young child who had drowned, we would receive updates, okay? Little by little, oh, he shows movement in his eyes. He's off the breathing tubes now. And the most recent update is that he is well enough now to go home. Praise God, right? So praise God. Um, and so what I want to share with, just emphasize again, is that there is a tremendous power and a tremendous blessing when believers become united in faith, okay? And I am beginning to really love praying together with the, these group of people because there's nothing like it. There's nothing quite like it. And I just want to give a couple of exhortations here. The first is to those of us we're around, we're around church, but we're not necessarily connected in that way. We're not experiencing this grace of being united in faith. Okay? And if that's you, and you want to experience this tremendous blessing and power that the Lord has, I want, I'm going to exhort you to make a commitment, right? To a regular, to join regularly. Maybe you pick one day, you pick a Monday, but you come every Monday, right? You block it out, then you make an internal commitment to come whether you feel like it or not, okay? And then you see what happens, okay? So I want to exhort you, if you're around but not connected in this way, to make a commitment. The second group of people that I want to exhort are those who are already connected and you're experiencing this grace. And I want to ask you to allow God to use you to, to gather others. Okay? And so allow him to put a person on your heart to pray for. And maybe perhaps reach out and invite that person. Okay? says in Psalm 133, there the Lord has commanded his blessing. Okay. 
And so that's the first thing that I wanted to share from Hebrews 1.23, that it was the combined, united faith of Moses' parents. Okay? The second thing that I want to share is the reason for their faith. Okay? The because. All right? And so let's read Hebrews 1 verse 23 again. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. Okay? And here's the reason. Because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Okay? And if we look at all, the, all three accounts, it's because it says they saw that he was a fine child or he was beautiful in God's sight. Okay? And as I thought about this, I was thinking if they just omitted this part, it would sound way more spiritual. Right? For example, if it, say, if it said his parents hid, them, hid him for three months because they were not afraid of the king's edict, right? that would sound more spiritual. Right? But for some reason, they, the scripture includes this because they saw that he was a beautiful child. Okay? The scripture is very unapologetic about including this in all three accounts. And I, and I found myself wondering, why is that? Because it seems to me a very superficial reason, right? That Moses' parents did that because they, they were like, oh, our baby is so cute, right? It seems very superficial. But actually, is it a superficial reason? So let's take a step back and see what might have been going on for them. So remember, there's this edict, right, that, that the, the king of Egypt gave to all his people, and my guess is that there was a system by which this edict was enforced, meaning that the Pharaoh probably had soldiers deployed to find little children, little Hebrew boys, right? Maybe there were also traitors or snitches, right? And so it would take a tremendous miracle to keep the boy hidden, okay? Now, this is not in the scripture, so I'm just imagining, okay? And I don't think this is too far-fetched because the Egyptians are ruthless. They were ruthless toward the Hebrews, right? And they had enslaved them. And so given that, the odds of Moses' survival was very, very slim, okay? Um, And even if they could hide him, While he's an infant, what happens when he's old enough to walk? Were you going to keep him in your house for the rest of his life? Right? And so the odds of Moses actually living was very little. Okay? And I would say that their situation was absolutely hopeless. Right? It was very hopeless. I would say that every time they thought about it, they would be filled with sadness, right? And all their plans, they would realize, are futile. And in the midst of this, whenever they looked at Moses, they were struck by the fact that he was beautiful. Okay? 
And they, and every time they, they thought about how is this going to happen, they, they couldn't come up with a reason. They couldn't, co- they couldn't think of a way it could work. But when they looked at the baby, he was beautiful. And so it was this, they had this one thought. They had this one particle, right, in the midst of all the negativity that was different than all the other thoughts. And this thought was, man, he's beautiful. He's a fine child. There must be a reason. There must be a purpose behind this, okay? And what I get out of this is that Moses' parents, they did not throw this little thought away. They did not throw away this one particle, okay? Because see, Hebrews 11.23 says, this is the reason for their faith, because they saw that the child was beautiful. So in the midst of all the, the mountain of negativity, they held on to this one thing, oh, he's beautiful, okay? And what I want to say to us is that faith, okay, does not arise because we have, things are going well for us, okay? Faith does not arise because we have positive news behind us, okay? Actually, faith arises when everything is going against us, when everything is going wrong, okay? That's the occasion for faith, okay? And in in the case of Moses' parents, they had the king's edict against them. They had the the ruthlessness of the Egyptians against them. They had the system against them, but they had this one little particle of faith that he's a beautiful child. Let's hide him and see what happens. Okay? And it's interesting, right before Hebrews 11 is Hebrews 10, and there's a verse in Hebrews 10, verse 37. If we could pull it up, that would be great. And what it says is, is this, Hebrews 10, verse 37. Actually, it's not verse 37. Um, 35, sorry, 35. It says, therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Can I see that? Hebrews 10, 35 Encourages us, encourages, us, encourages us to not throw away that little particle of faith. Okay? Because that little faith, that little particle, has a great reward. Right? Moses' parents did not know that what they did would affect the entire history of Israel. Right? The entire history of God's salvation. Okay? I read a quote by Charles Spurgeon, and he, he said that great events hinge on little incidents. Okay? Great events hinge on little incidents. Okay? And what Moses' parents did was they acted on this tiny little particle of faith. They did not know that great events hinged upon their decision. And I found this true whenever I study history. There's these small little incidents that affect the the outcome of these great events. I found that to be true in my own life. One little incident leads to this and leads to that. Okay? And so Hebrews 10, 35 says, do not throw away that little particle when you have that. 
Okay? When you notice something is beautiful, do not throw that away. So I just want to share a couple of stories to hopefully further illustrate this. And so many of you know that um, I'm married to Amanda, and she's the youngest of five children. Okay? And what happened is that before Amanda and her brother Matt, who's the fourth child, were, were born, um, so there were three siblings born at this time, Amanda's mother had a miscarriage. Okay? And I think, I don't know if it's most of the time or half of the time, right? After a miscarriage, there's really no complications and the body recovers and, you know, after a few months, the body is back to normal, right? And there's no doctor's visit required. But in this case, um, something was really not right and Amanda's mother had to be hospitalized, okay? And things were really not looking good. And I think she had a super high fever, which, and it was just not coming down, okay? And at, so at the hospital, they were there, and basically doctors advised that Amanda's mother have a hysterectomy or the removal of the uterus, okay? Um, because that would solve the problem. And at this point, Amanda's mom refused to have the hysterectomy, which was her way of saying, you know what, I'm not going to lose the ability to have more children, right? Because I believe that I'm supposed to have more children, okay? Now, if I were there as Amanda's dad or Amanda's mom's husband, I'd be like, you know what, honey, look, we already have three kids. I don't want you to die because of this, right? But... From what I've heard, she was determined to not have the hysterectomy. And that was her faith. Okay? And this is where things get interesting is that then they chose to believe on the scripture from James 5.14, which says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with the oil in the name of the Lord. Now, I've never done this myself. I've never called on the elders of the church to pray for me when I'm sick, but they did that. They believed in this word, and so the elders of the church came, okay? And they put on these, I guess, these suits, you know, so that they wouldn't contaminate or they would not be contaminated. I don't know. And they laid hands, anointed her with oil, and Amanda's mom was healed, Amazing. Praise the Lord, right? And she was healed without having to go through hysterectomy. Okay? And so by faith, Amanda's mom refused to go with the doctor's advice to have a hysterectomy because she believed there were more children ahead, of, ahead for her. Okay? And because of that, she has two more kids and five grandchildren. Okay? Two of which are my kids. Praise the Lord. So do not throw away that confidence, that little particle of faith. And this, I'm going to share another story from my own life. Um, It kind of came back to me as I was preparing for this message. And this is probably about 15 or so years ago. 
Okay, and um, my work, we were hiring software engineers. I worked for a software company, and I was interviewing candidates. Okay, and there was this one particular candidate who was very interesting to me. He stood out. Okay, and he caught my eye because number one, his resume was very atypical. Okay, because it wasn't like he went to college, you know, got a job, and is looking for another job. But it was like there were some blanks in there, if you know what I mean. Okay? And then number two, back then, I don't know if it's true now, but back then they filled out this form and there's a checkbox that says, have you ever had like a felony? Okay? And he had checked it. Okay? And he was probably the, one of the first people who had checked this. Okay? And so I was like, wow, when I was reading the resume plus this this employment form that he filled out. I was like, this is an interesting guy. When I saw him face to face, he was a clean cut guy. And, you know, back then we didn't know all the HR rules, what's appropriate or not. So I just said, hey, I read your resume and this form and can you tell me your story? What, you know, and what was this felony about? And so he began to tell me his story and of how Somehow he had been charged for like grand theft, okay? But it was, there was some misunderstanding and it was a very unfortunate set of events that led to that. But yes, he did have a felony record, okay? And also he shared about how he was trying to get his life back on track, how he had, because of that incident, it had really messed him up. Um, He also had a child, a daughter out of state that he was trying to support. And so as I was listening to his story, I I had this thought that there's a reason why this guy is here. There's There's a reason. God has a purpose for this guy. And I found myself wanting to help him, wanting to be in his life, wanting to be an instrument of God in his life. Okay? So I had that thought. And, but at that time, he was considering different paths in his career. And so I work for more what's called a traditional software company. We make software. It's not that exciting. If I try to explain it to you, it would not be that exciting to you. But there's another, um, another path, which is the video game software industry, which is very exciting for some people. And I can understand that because I grew up playing video games, right? Middle school, high school. And so he wanted to be a video game software engineer. And so I tried to sell him on my company and try to persuade him, okay? But his heart was set on trying to go get into the video game software industry. So actually, he stopped the interview process. He, he didn't go to the next round, and he pursued something else, Okay. And so that was, and I was like, oh, that was weird, right? Because I had felt, man, there's a reason why he's here, okay? A couple years later, so let's, let's call this guy Bob, okay? Bob. A couple years later, another guy, I was interviewing another guy. Let's call him John, all right? And I was asking John, so how did you hear about our company? You know, what made you apply here? And he said, oh, I'm a friend of Bob, okay? And Bob recommended this company to me. I said, oh, really? That's interesting. Because I still remember, right, this guy. 
And so, anyways, John interviewed, he did well, and we ended up hiring him. And so I asked him, hey, how's your friend Bob doing? And he was like, yeah, he's, he's looking for a job right now, actually. But he's too embarrassed to apply here again, right? Because he, he went and pursued another thing. And I said, you know what? Tell your friend Bob that we're still hiring, and if he wants, we'll interview him again, okay? And so anyways, through that, Bob ended up getting hired at my company, and he ended up being on my team. And so because a few years earlier, I had this thought like, oh, there's a reason why God has him here, right? Um, I was more intentional with him in, in developing a relationship. And so, you know, I would have like him and his daughter over for dinner. Um, we would go out for lunch. I would, but, and I, so I got to know him. I found out that actually he was very antagonistic towards God and towards Christianity because of his past, okay? And it wasn't just just being neutral or cold. He was very cynical and dismissive and very scoffing, okay? And so it, it, could, be, it could rub me the wrong way sometimes. And as opportunities came up, I would invite him to different things. I would invite him to church. I remember I invited, invited him to Alpha class. And he initially said yes, and then he would just bail out at the end. Um, I would invite him to Bible studies that were going on at my work. And, but all this time, his heart was still very antagonistic. And over the years, he transi- transitioned into different teams. And so we stopped talking as much, or we stopped seeing each other on a day-to-day basis. And so, and again, this, this happened 15 years ago. And so over the years, I found myself talking to him less and less. Fast forward a little bit, maybe this is like four years ago, okay? I caught wind that he was going through a really hard time in his life, okay? And things were, um, things were really bad in his life. So I said, hey, let's go take a walk, and what's going on, man? And so he told me what's going on. He was honest with me, and then so I said, after hearing that, I felt I should offer to pray for him. So I said, can I pray for you? And he said, no. I'm going to figure this out myself, and I don't need your prayers. I don't need help from God, right? And he was just kind of, he wasn't rude, but he was just very affirm no. And so I respected that, and then I moved on, right? And I, I prayed for him on my own. And then again, let's fast forward to Easter, I think it was 2018, Easter 2018. And it was the week before Easter. And <clears throat> I was taking a break in, the, in our snack area at my work. And I was there getting some snacks. And this guy came by. And he struck up a conversation with me. And he said, hey, what are you doing for Easter? And I said, uh, I don't know, you know, the usual um, and I said, yeah, I might have my parents over for dinner after Easter. And that was that. I just, I wasn't in the mood of really talking to him or even inviting him to church or anything like that, okay? And so I got my snack and then I, I was leaving the area, snack area, to go back to my desk. And as I was leaving and walking back down the hall, I could, 
I could kind of feel him right, almost like right behind me, following me, right? And I was like, what's going on? It was almost like he wanted to keep talking with me, right? And I had this thought, maybe I should invite him to church. And I was like, no, that's stupid because he's, he's so antagonistic, right? But as I kept walking and he was right behind me, I just turned around and I said, hey, what are you doing for Easter? Right, because he had asked me that question. He said, oh, nothing, you know. And I said, hey, would you like to come to my church? We have a service, we have lunch afterwards. And he was like, yeah, I would love to come. And he wanted to bring his, his twins. And they came, they went to the children's ministry program, they had a great time, they stuck around for lunch, right? And I forget what the time period is, a little, maybe it was a little after that, he came to me and he apologized to me. He said, hey, remember that one time you asked me to, if you could pray for me? He said, I was so rude and I'm so sorry. And he talked about how through what, what was going on, through disappointments, how his heart had changed towards God and how his heart had changed towards, towards Christians and how he was really just warm and he, he, had been, he actually had started going to a church where he lives. And so I was just amazed how God worked in his heart through all these years, right? And it, it didn't happen right away, right? And so even now, even as I was preparing this message and thinking about this story, I realized God's work's not done, right? And so I'm holding on to that, that little thought that I had that there's a reason why he's here, right? And that God has a purpose for him being at the same workplace. And I want to be part of that. And so I'm going to, be, I'm going to continue to pray for him. Yeah, until he, God brings him fully to Christ. So we're going to close here. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. And I want to just exhort us from Hebrews 10, 35, where it says, do not throw away your confidence. Okay? Do not throw away your little particle of faith. Okay? Do not throw away that small thing. Do not be discouraged. And I wonder if many of us if some of us are going through a hard time, right? Are going through the onslaught of the king's edict against us, where things appear to not be going well, right? Where God does not seem to be real. And it is in this place that God says to us, do not throw away your confidence because you have a great reward if you hang on to that. And, and Moses' parents, despite all the odds, they chose to hide Moses. Okay? They held on to that little faith that they had. Later on in Hebrews, verse 33, it talks about what happens when we have faith. 
And it says in verse 33, actually starting with verse 22, What more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets. Verse 33, Who through faith conquered kingdoms? Who through faith, by faith, conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women received back their dead by resurrection. Right? It talks about the power of faith. When we do not throw away our faith, right? Wow, we can even conquer kingdoms. Amazing. So let's pray. Let's pray. God, we just thank you. We just thank you for the faith of Moses' parents. God, thank you for your the hand that was upon their lives. That in this impossible situation, united, you united them in faith to hide this child. All because they saw something. They said, nah, this cannot be. This cannot be for death. And I just thank you that in the same way that your hand is upon us, I just thank you right now, and I just pray right now that you would just breathe upon us. Some of us who are weary, some of us who are discouraged, some of us who feel isolated, I just pray that you would breathe upon us right now and begin to stir up our faith and to unite our faith together. We bless your name, God. We thank you that your hand has been upon us, upon this church, upon your people. And I wonder if there is someone here today and you've never put your faith in Christ. I just want to give you an opportunity even if that faith seems so small compared to all the other reasons, to not throw that away and to take action upon that and to ask Christ to come into your life as your Savior and your Lord right now. And I know that For the rest of us, I know that we've been talking about the noon prayer ad nauseum. But there's a reason for that. And because there's a tremendous blessing and a tremendous grace there. So I want to ask those of you who haven't joined or who haven't made that commitment to do that so now. We still have a small window of time
And so we, we just bless your name, Lord God. We bless your name and we just pray for the full encouragement of your spirit right now upon our hearts, upon our minds. God, unite us in faith like never before. God, we just thank you that that faith is, doesn't have to just be individual or isolated, but there's a way that we can be united in faith, that fire can spread from one to another and be stoked into a greater fire. So we, we say, yes, Lord, come and do that. Do that among, in the midst of us right now, in Jesus' name. Do that, we pray. Cause that fire to be stoked even greater. We thank you for your word and this time. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.